We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, Tom Spagnola, my dude. Sharing is caring. You nailed it, Tom Spags. You got it, buddy. Absolutely. We are going to dive into our mailbag now, and we are going to have some fun conversation. Lots of good questions, lots of good discussion going on in the chat, and there were some questions that you guys had. So we'll dive into those right now. Coach Koch says, what is your take on multi-sport versus specialized sport for children and development? How old should kids be before they play tackle? All right, Coach, I'm going to handle these one at a time. First of all, what is your take on multi-sport versus specialized sport for children and development? First of all, I think children playing multiple sports, especially at a young age, elementary, middle school, uh, we call it middle school, junior high for all of you, is incredibly important. And it's important for a lot of reasons. And, and obviously there's the athletic aspect of it. It's, it's good for physical development. You know, I, I, my parents wouldn't let me play football as a kid. I played soccer. I didn't necessarily like playing soccer, but I can look back and say that soccer helped me develop as an athlete. It helped me to do different things uh, athletically. You know, conditioning was important. I had to move. I had to cut differently than I did in other sports. I also played baseball and basketball as a kid. And my parents made me take gymnastics. They made me do all types of things as a kid because they wanted me to experience as much as possible. I had to play the piano. They made me play in the band in middle school. I actually rather enjoyed the band. I played the saxophone, did not enjoy piano very much, but it was good to say, hey, I, I tried that. So there's a lot of different things that, that they had us try and do. And then when we got a little older, we could start to narrow things down if we wanted to. And I didn't start to narrow things down until high school. But even then, because I wasn't good enough to play high school basketball. I mean, I, I I was a, you know, I was pretty good for, you know, the rec league teams in fifth and sixth grade, but basketball was not my my best sport. And so baseball, I, I didn't play until my junior, senior year. I was primarily a football guy. And so, but, but at a young age, it, it developed me a lot as an athlete. And I think that it's good for a lot of people. I mean, wh- wh- whatever sport it is, it can be different sports. It doesn't have to be football, baseball, basketball. Uh, at the very least, when you're in high school, if you're a football player and you have aspirations of playing at the next level, run track. Even if you're not good at it, run track. You're going to learn things about you know technique and conditioning and explosiveness and how important stance and start is or things that can relate to that. Uh, if you're a football, if you're an, you know, an offensive lineman and your school has wrestling and you enjoy, try it out if, you know, or, or in the spring throw, be a discus guy, whatever the case may be. I don't, I'm not one of those people that believes playing multiple sports hinders you from being good at your primary sport. Mark Zachary is a guy that Notre Dame desperately wants in the 2023 class. He's starting point guard on the Ben Davis football basketball team. James Flanagan is not only, not only broke his dad's school record, I believe your state record for, I think, what, what is it, Ryan? It's like discus, something like that. Discus, I believe is what it is, but he's also a really good player on their hockey team. And he's still Notre Dame athlete. There's a lot of guys. Drake Bowen is, I mean, the whole part of the conversation with Drake Bowen was count County record for discus. Ryan said, you know, but the whole, the whole point of it is Drake Bowen's at Notre Dame playing two sports. Now 
Drake's an elite athlete, but the point is, is you could still at your whatever level you're going to be at, you can still do both. I, I, I think the only exception I would make is that there are certain sports like tennis, um, that golf, which are a different type of sport where it might be wise if your child shows a supreme acumen for it at an early age, that it might be wise to say, hey, stick to this sport because it is a sport that you can kind of play year round. You know, if your soccer, if your if your child is a is a tennis player that shows a certain gift, then okay, lean into that if if the child really enjoys it. You know, there's some advantages to to getting specialized coaching and playing in tournaments all the time. And and then also if your child shows a passion or an acumen for a certain sport, you might want to be smart about what the other sport they play is. So for example, if you're um I think Vince is in the chat. Vince, I think in Indiana, soccer is in the spring, right? Like it is in college and then or, or actually no, soccer's in the fall like it is in 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 uh, like same as football, I believe. But in in college, obviously, it's in the spring. In other states, soccer's in the spring, and then football's in the fall. But if your kid is a soccer player in the spring, it may not be the ideal for your kid to be a football player in the fall because of the physicality of the sport, the type of injuries, and all those type of things. And so, actually, is soccer in the fall? No, I'm trying to think. No. I don't know. I don't know when soccer is. But the point is, is there may be some sports you're playing in the spring where it's not conducive to you playing football in the fall, or it may be not beneficial to you playing football in the fall or vice versa. And so there's always those type of decisions, but then do something else. If you're, if your child is a track kid that wants to do something in the fall, but you don't want to expose them to the physicality of football, that's fine. Have them play soccer. Vince said soccer is also in the fall. I I think it might've been maybe as a kid, maybe soccer. I don't know. But so th- this is a better example then. Your kids are really good track athlete. You want to have them doing other things in the fall. Have them play soccer instead of football if you don't want to expose them to the violence of the game. So there's all types of things that you can do. And then like I had a niece, uh, Layla, who as a kid loved dancing. And I don't just mean like in the living room. I mean, she was like a, she did events and she loved it. And her mom, my sister, wisely had her May, you know, try other sports. And early on, she didn't like it. But now, you know, Layla's playing volleyball. She's not dancing anymore. She's playing volleyball. She's playing basketball. She's playing softball. And she's kind of fallen in love with these other sports. But it's partly because my sister wisely made her experience those things. Hey, you're going to play this. Just give it a try. If you don't like it, you don't have to play it. And she fell in love with it. And so there's those aspects of it, too. But the final piece is, honestly, Coach, is it is so good for the development of young people as just people getting them around others, get, you know, forcing them into competitive situations, you know, that you learn so many life lessons, playing sports, you learn about competition, you learn about adversity, you, you learn about teamwork, you learn about loyalty, you learn about having the next person's besides you's back in certain sports. Hey, I got to do my job so this person can do their job. There are just so many life lessons that you get out of it. And then just being around other kids is important too. So I, I think there's a huge, huge thing for that. As far as tackle football, I can just tell you what, what I what I believe. I, I don't think tackle football is needed for kids until they're at the earliest junior high school. I, I just – there's so many stories of kids not playing football until they get to high school and they're fine. I just, and there's so much, there's so much like flag football and stuff like that around now that I just, my parents didn't let me play football as a kid. And I, I remember how I, I was so mad at them at the time for that. I mean, I'd have local, co- I mean, not local high school, but local like Pop Warner coaches. Cause like, you know, Bath, the school I went to, like we all had our own teams, right? I mean, it was the Bath Pop, you know, Little League or Pop Warner, whatever it was. And they'd call the house and, try to get me to come play for him. And I remember how excited I was like, Oh, it's the coach and the cats calling. And my dad was saying, no, he's not playing football. And I was so mad at him at the time. 
But now I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad because you don't, I mean, you, I'm not saying it, it's, it's not beneficial in some areas, but the risk to me does not, does not to me warrant the, the benefit. And so um, it, the, the reward, I just, I'm just not a big fan of it. I don't think you need it. I think you can learn a lot of bad habits. There's not always great coaching at that level, if we're going to be honest. And, and so I just, uh, I don't think it's needed. And, th- and others are going to disagree with me on that. And that's fine. I don't have the medical background. I just know that there's a certain injuries you just don't want a child to have that are of greater risk in football than playing other sports. I mean, your kid can get hurt playing soccer. Your kid can hurt, get hurt playing basketball. It's just the violence of football that I just don't think is needed at a young age. And and I never asked a kid when I was recruiting him, Hey, did you play football in junior high school? If you're good enough, you're going to, you're going to get there. I mean, Notre, Notre Dame assigned kids who didn't start playing football till high Chris, Christopher Burgess, I don't believe started playing football till high school. And now he's going to be playing at Notre Dame. Right. So I just don't think it's needed for me. Flag football gives kids enough. I mean, you know, you'd like to, I'd like to see flag football from what I know of it be a little bit more structured to be more like real football. But I mean, at that young age, just have fun. That's the biggest thing is have like kids have fun. And I, I think you can have fun and, and still care about keeping score and competitiveness and all that. You don't need to get rid of that stuff to have fun, but you know, there's so many young coaches that, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to, just be that hard, butt. you know, I, I couldn't coach at this level. So let me be that bossy jerky pop Warner coach. Like, no, man, that ain't it. But does that mean you can't keep score? Can't teach kids right and wrong. Can't keep teach kids about competition and all that. Of course you can. And uh, those, those, and those are the best coach. I mean, you've, you've had a lot of stories of, of kids that, Hey, I had this coach when I was a kid and, and he, he helped instill my love for football. And that's great. But then there's the opposite side of it. So there's just so many risks involved that I just don't. But that's untrue for all sports. So I, if I have a son, uh, you know, if I had a son, he wouldn't be playing football till at the earliest middle school, at the earliest, and he would play sports year round. And if he gets to the point where he doesn't want to play sports anymore, there there comes an age where I would respect that. But um, you, you you want kids to be active, and I think those things they bring a lot of benefit, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was a long time to get to that first question. Let's get to actually we got a couple super chats down here. Got one from Iden Banami. Thank you, Iden. Appreciate that very much. Did Chad have a relationship with Moore prior? Uh, I don't know. I, I know that he had a relationship. Obviously, he, he worked with Mike Elston for a year. So perhaps that is it. But look, what this what this boils down to, Iden, is coaches see what's going on in Notre Dame. They know they're losing kids they, they didn't normally lose to Notre Dame. They know that when they beat Notre Dame for kids, it's a lot harder than it used to be. 
And they know why that is. Reason number one, Marcus Freeman. Reason number two, Chad Bowden. And then, of course, the rest of the coaches play their role. I mean, obviously, Mark, Mike Mickens has a huge role in, you know, why cornerbacks come to their name. Chad plays a role in that, too. And that's good for Mike Mickens, and it's good for Marcus Freeman. It's about the, the unit. It's about the team. It's not Chad's doing this all by himself or Marcus is doing this all by himself. The fact is, is it's a team. They, it's a, it's teamwork. You know, I've, I've reached out to, you know, people around Notre Dame and, and uh, I'll ask sources like, Hey, you know, great job picking up this kid. Oh, look, man, I had a ton of help. And so Chad did this and coach Freeman did this and coach so-and-so did this. And you constantly hear that because they understand this isn't just about Marcus. It's not just about Chad. It's not just about Mike Dembrock or Al Washington or Al Gold or Mike Mickens. It's you've got to have that group work, and that's what this staff does a better job of. But but Chad's a reason, a part of the reason for that, because he helps make sure that everybody's on the same page. Hey, I need you to call this kid today. I need you to call this kid today. I call this kid today, and those are all those are all important aspects of it. But as far as when it comes to the prior relationship, I don't know. If that was the case, Raymond Hart Horton, Raymond Harton. So I don't know what Raymond, I always say Horton. I don't know why I say that. I've seen your name a million times. I keep getting it wrong. My bad. Raymond Hart with a super chat. Chad Bowden equals five star talent. You are not wrong. Tyler Evans suit with a super chat. Thank you, Tyler. Will more college coaches, head coaches go the NFL more often because of NIL and the portal? I think so. Like, I think so. Like, look, guys, right now, the system is a mess. It's And it's not just, oh, it's the NIL. And I don't think it's as NIL as – I've said this a million times. NIL is not going away, nor should it. NIL is a good thing. Players deserve to be able to be compensated for certain aspects of their college experience. I'm going to do a show coming up here at some point in time because I, I am so sick of all these college football analysts talking about amateurism is dead. I think that's such a shallow, uh, misguided notion. I saw someone who I respect, Ross Dellinger, who I respect as a writer, said, you know, they, they always need to dip their toe in the professional model. They need to leap in, you know, feet first. I, I think that's so sad and misguided. They don't need to kill amateurism. They need to redefine it. They need to protect amateurism in a different form because amateurism protects players. If done correctly, amateurism does not have to mean players can't get part of the money. It doesn't mean they can't do an IL. It, do, it shouldn't mean they can't do an IL. It shouldn't mean that they can't do rev share. It shouldn't mean that they, that they shouldn't have some sort of collective bargaining for a standpoint of what are the thing, what is the piece of the pie that we're going to get and those type of things. It doesn't mean that they can't benefit from Jersey sales and other type of things. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is you can't cut them because they're not playing well. You can't trade them, right? That's a professional. You want to be able to, hey, Notre Dame's, you want Notre Dame to be able to trade players to other teams? You really want that for these kids? They need to protect the academic piece. This notion that we're just giving up on the academic piece because they don't really make kids go to school anyway. How about we fix that? How about we hold accountable schools and programs that don't actually educate their players? Instead of just saying, let's let's not worry about that and make them professionals, no, redefine amateurism. And until they do that, that it, it, it's just going to continue to be this. The bigger problem, however, is not NIL, it's the portal. It's the fact that that here, because here's the thing. The, the NIL doesn't have the insane impact it has now if the portal's not the way that it is right now, where it's just open season. There's no punishments for tampering. There's no there, – it's just kids can leave whenever they want. Now they can leave year after year after year. That is stupid, and it shouldn't be that way. And we've got these judges and legislators doing all this crap, and they're part of the problem. Shocker, right? They're part of the problem. They need to figure out – and the dumbest thing, too, is these schools suing the NCAA, you guys act like you're not – you are the NCAA. You guys all demand you got to put a stop to this craziness. So then they say, okay, we're going to put a stop to – well, no, not us. You can't come after us. Here's the reality. Every college in the country 
wants the NCAA to do something about the NIL. But then, they, but you can't come after us, though. Can't come after us. What the NCAA would be smart to do is to stop all of its pursuits of schools for wrongdoing because they dropped the ball by not being more clear about what the rules actually were. They need to get all member institutions to say, hey, here's the new rules. We're, we didn't do a good job of setting the, the groundwork and the foundation for what this looks like. We're going to give forgiveness for all these things in, in situations like the Nico situation. Now, the Jaden Rashada situation is a different animal, right? So that one I would let kind of continue. But like this Florida saw all these, look, we're going to let this slide. We're, gonna, we're not going to punish anybody. But from this moment on, everybody's jumping on board for these are the rules and these are the consequences. So fresh start as of February, or let's say, let's say you're able to get it past March 1st of 2024. From that point on, these are the rules. These are the penalties. If you tamper with other teams' players, this is the punishment. If you do this with NIL, this is the punishment. Because everybody says they want it. Get people to put their money where the mouth is. We want this, but just not on us. We want you to enforce it for everybody else, but not on us. And now you have governors. Like, we don't have enough going on in our country. We need governors and AGs to worry about NIL. Seriously? Really? I know there's more important things in the state of Virginia and Tennessee to worry about than this. Way more important things. But this scores political points. That's what it's about. And it's sad, but, you know, nobody actually wants anything done in a way that affects them. And it's because it's open season. And so until that changes, yes, you're going to see more coaches leave. Because here's the thing, right now at the recruiting calendar, there's no time off. I'm a 37, 38, 40-year-old man with the with kids at home and a wife. In the NFL, I'm not around a whole lot during football season, just like in college. But once the season's over with, what are NFL coaches doing right now? They're not on the road recruiting. They're they're on vacation. Some of them are at the senior bowl. You know, bring your family and your kids, you go coach, you do this. It's you know, you know, there's there's a certain things that you have to do with the draft, but you're not you're not the primary driver. You watch film. You get time off. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Instead of right now, like Jeff Hafley's thing is, I got to re-recruit my team every year. That's not how it is. That's not at all how it is. That's not a professional model. It's insanity. So until they do something about it, and the problem is they can't do anything about it because every time they try to do something about it, some judge, some legislature, some governor, some AG, some school cries about, no, 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 we don't want you to fix it for us. We want you to fix it for everybody else. So what, like if the NCAA tries to say, hey, we're going to, we're going to chill out. We're going to shut this portal stuff down. Lawsuit. Hey, we're going to set these NIL rules. Lawsuit. Hey, we're going to punish people for tampering. Lawsuit. Because right now, these teams that cheat know that if we just sue the NCAA, we're going to win. Because the NCAA is so despised that they're just, they're going to win. And, you know, the, the, the model is flawed in so many ways that they're going to win. So we want changes, but don't come after us. So it's, I don't see it changing anytime soon. And until it does, you're going to continue to see these problems. In my opinion, it's just, it's going to continue to just suck in a lot of ways. And you're going to continue to lose good coaches. And it's not just head coaches, it's assistants. Those guys don't get talked about as much, but people are losing assistants as well. There's no doubt. Uh, Ken Pluta, it's an interesting one. Based on Rob Hunt's reaction to the Tyler Harker's article, do you think Notre Dame sources should or will limp start limiting their access to sites that abuse the information of post wrong data just for clicks? That's a dangerous. That's a dangerous road to go down. I, I, I think. Look, I think they number one Notre Dame needs to be more clear on what their expectations are. There's this weird thing, like Rob Hunt. With all due respect to Rob. He has this thing, well, you know, it's not your job to release medical information. Well, it kind of is our job to cover the team. I mean, we cover the team. You shouldn't get to tell us necessarily how we cover the team to a degree. However, there, there, there does need to be sort of a healthy relationship where Notre Dame says, hey, and this is the conversation I had with somebody at Notre Dame. Listen, here's the deal. There, Here's the reasons why we don't want you to break this medical news that you learned. And I've had this conversation. Hey, I found out about this. 
you know, and they say, Hey, can you hold off on it? So I've had things where like, look, we're going to let you break it, but can you wait until Friday or, you know, whatever to break it? And there's reasons why, and they're valid reasons why, because it's different than just, Hey, I, I found out that so-and-so is going to be starting at linebacker and they don't want it out there because they want to have a competitive advantage. That's not my, that's my responsibility. But when it comes to medical stuff, that's a different animal. Because if I, if I report something wrong, if I report that Riley Leonard injured his ankle again or injured his other ankle and because the retraction never gets the same amount of eyes as the original statement. And so if I go out and a day later I'm wrong and I put out a retraction, that retraction is not going to get seen as much as the original statement is. So there may be some NFL scouts or maybe some coaches that in their head they're thinking, what's well, Riley Leonard guy's got some injury issues. He's had another ankle injury. That's a red flag. When in reality, he didn't have a new injury. He, he didn't even have a major surgery. This is all part of the, the healing process of he's coming back. So there needs to be some responsibility on our end. But, you know, look, clearly Tyler and other people thought they had sources. They didn't just make it up. I mean, you know, Tyler didn't go out there and, and say, hey, you know what? I think I need to get clicks today. So let me put this Riley Leonard thing out there. I don't think Tyler did that. Do I think Tyler posted what he posted? Should have put, did I think if he worked for me, he wouldn't have posted that story. I promise you that. But it doesn't work for me. He's doing what his bosses are asking him to do. So I don't agree with it. I don't think he should have done it. I think he was incorrect in what he said. I think he he I don't know the process he went through to post it, but I don't I think it was flawed because the information was incorrect. And that's dangerous when it comes to injuries. Do I think that Notre Dame should limit Tyler Hork's access to the team now? No. What I would say is you run the risk of getting shut out from a whoever his sources are might stop talking to him. But, you know, or, or, or people that are more in the know may start stop talking to him. If you if you do that too often, then that may happen. But it's a slippery slope to start saying, well, we're going to limit your access to this, you know, uh, to your site. There, there, there are things that you can do that could cause that. I think that there are times their name need to does need to use that as a bit of a weapon on certain egregious things. I don't think what Tyler did rises to that level. I think Tyler made a youthful mistake, and I don't think he should have posted what he posted. I, I I don't think he should have he should have done a better job of of getting more um, better sourcing, but I don't think what he did is something that jumps to the to the notion of hey cut this kid off. I don't know if he's done this before. I, I don't follow Tyler's writing. I, I've had nothing but pleasant interactions with Tyler at, at games, and so I, I have no issue with him. You all know my issues about the side overall, but I have no issues with, with Tyler and, and the, and, and other guys that work there. So uh, I, I, I think it was irresponsible. I think it's a learning. It's a lesson for Tyler as a young writer to say, Hey, you know what? Do better. But here's the thing. I don't think on three has any issue with what Tyler did because got him clicks for Tyler as a journalist. I would say lesson learned, you know, and hopefully you do better next time. But, um, I'm just, and I get where Rob Hunt's coming from, but at the same time, we we have a job to do as well. And our job is to cover the team. And sometimes that means we're going to be putting stuff out that the team doesn't want us to put out or doesn't like, and you deal with that butt chewing, but that's my job isn't to protect you. I don't work for you. I work for fans. But at the same time, there's a responsibility that comes with that about being, making sure that that is this worth it is the damage worth it? Is if if I'm not 100% certain that this is true. Now, here's the thing: if Tyler would have actually posted accurate information, then the the response would be a lot different. But I don't believe that he did, and that's my bigger issue with what Tyler did, as opposed to him breaking the news. I wouldn't have had him put it out either way. I would have had him go through people at Notre Dame to get things authorized and all that. He didn't. I don't believe he did that because uh, if he did, I know who I talked to to get legitimate information to get the, the what was really going on. So I, I don't think he got it from that person. So I would have just said, you know, learn from it, do a better job. But I don't 
think there was any maliciousness into what he said or did. And I don't, I don't think that there was anything in there that warrants to me him or that site losing access to the team. I just think anytime you do that, you always run the risk of your sources drying up. That's the danger. And that's that give and take like, okay, sometimes I'll throw you a bone by not reporting this because I have that, you know, that relationship. Now there's certain things that, that if I find out something really bad happened, something, you know, was just, that's just morally incorrect or whatever. I have a responsibility to report that. I'll let you know, but I have a responsibility to report that. Like, and, and most people understand that. I had a coach one time, I wrote an article last year, critical of an assistant coach in Notre Dame who I had a good relationship with. And he called me and he said, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with you putting the article. I understand because I just wish you would have given me a heads up first. And I was like, fair, fair. And, and so you just got to be careful with that. And so lesson learned next time I'm going to write an article about that coach. That's critical. I'll say, Hey man, just look, let's talk about this. I'm going to explain to you why I'm writing it and what I'm writing. And, and, and just, you know, cause this is what I think and feel. And this is what I'm going to put out. And I think the most, most coaches will respect that as long as you stick to football in your, in your, in your disagreement, which I did. And so that, that would be my, my take on that whole situation. But that's also why you need to be a member of Irish Breakdown because we do care more about getting it right than we do about getting clicks. Matter of fact, I never put anything out for clicks about Riley Leonard's injury. I waited until I had good sourcing and I was approved to put it out about what the actual injury was, what their surgery was, what the time frame was, and all those type of things. Never actually put a clickbait article out. Didn't tweet. I put it on a premium message board. Didn't tweet the premium link out to get people to sign up for the message board. Because there's just certain things that I just don't think should be used for that. And those type of injury, that that type of thing is, is one of those things. But that's why you need to be on the IB message board and a part of what we're doing at Irish Breakdown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got a question from J.P. Buelsfeld, my man. Haven't seen you in a while. When I look at the electronic, hey, and I forgot to, to send you a text, man. I got your card, your gift card. I really, really appreciate that, man. That was super, super sweet. I really appreciate you. And I am a jerk for not having written you back on that. I just hit me as soon as I saw your name. It's been on my to-do list, and I forgot to do it. But it doesn't take away from how thankful I am, J.P. I really, really am. When I look at the electronic Wichita, Kansas newspaper, I see a story from the Irish Breakdown staff. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I have to, I have to look at that. That's pretty cool. Was it about someone from, I would imagine it was about somebody from Kansas, maybe? I'd be curious, like, what article that was, JP. Very curious about that. Brian Swint asks, Brian with a Y, well done on that one to your parents. Will Chad Bowden be the best recruiting job Marcus Freeman does in 2024? Uh, can I go one A one B? I think Mike Denbrock is is uh, a right on the on online with that best off field recruiting win. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. But I, I, I no, I, I don't think so. I mean, look to me, I I don't think he had to recruit Chad to stay. I think it just was more about let's make sure that we 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 do this right and we we make sure that you're valued the way that you need to be valued in in the program. So I, I think the Mike Denbrock one was a little bit better. Nicholas Grosh says months ago, I suggested Brian Driscoll become Indy's general manager. I don't know who that guy is. B-R-I-E-N-D-R-S-K-E-L. Is that like Jeff Driscoll's cousin or brother or something like that? I'm not sure who that is, but uh, I know this Brian Driscoll is happy with the job that he has. PK says, thankful that Chad stayed. How many times did a recruit mention his name, either first or second to Marcus Freeman? I give I, I, Notre Dame gives him a greater, more important position. I'm sure that they will, PK. And you are absolutely spot on. I mean, nine out of ten, I would say, mention Chad prominently, in my opinion. Indy estimates shrucking LLC after the first day of senior bowl practice. Is it safe to say Kalen King is maybe overrated? Ricky Pearsall is possibly the best route runner out there. Brennan Rice is pretty stiff and slow. 
I haven't seen, I haven't watched much of the senior bowl stuff, so I can't really comment on any of those three based on the senior bowl, but I I've always felt that Caleb Kaylin King was overrated. Kaylin King's a nice cornerback. I just don't think he's what people make him out to be. He's definitely not as good as Benjamin Morrison, in my opinion. The rest of it, I honestly haven't seen. I haven't watched a whole lot of it. I know Ryan's had some shows that he's put. We are doing this thing. So one of the things we're doing on our breakdowns, we're starting to put out more videos that are only for premium members. And Ryan has been doing every night sort of a recap of the day. But I haven't watched enough of that. I do know that he Brennan Rice beat Cam Hart for a goal line touchdown today. It was pretty good coverage, but good ball and just good catch. But uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched a ton of it, to be completely honest with you. Question from Andrew Gilmore. Brian, how much do you attribute those pressures to, to how good the secondary was at man-to-man coverage? Um, that I don't attribute the jump in, in pressures at all to the coverage because the coverage was really good last year. It was better. The things that I attribute those pressures to is, is better timing, better design. The linebackers were better at block destruction and then how impactful the D-line was. You can attribute the the pressures to coverage from the standpoint of you're able to pressure as much as you do because of how good your coverage is. But they didn't pressure more this year because your coverage was better compared to last year. They pressured more this year because they were better at it. The linebackers were better at it. So, where Andrew, where I would say you're able to pressure this much because of how good the secondary is. The volume of pressures is, is done because of how good the secondary is. The success is not due to that because they were very good in coverage last year. And the pressure packages stunk by and large part. The linebackers weren't as effective at, at blitzing last year. They didn't get all of a sudden better at blitzing because Notre Dame's corners were better or safeties were better. They were better. The D-line was better. And that's why you saw the jump in pressures. Good question, though. Coach Koch with another one. Are there two players, one offense and one defense, from the 2000 now that could have changed the outcome of the Bama Notre Dame title game. Who would you choose, and would uh, could it give them the W? That is a really good question. Offensively, man, I'd go one of two ways. If I could put either Prime Quentin Nelson on the offensive line, or if I could have put Will Fuller at wide receiver. I think that would have had a big impact on that game offensively. Given Tyler Eifert another weapon, then J- TJ Jones and DeVars Daniels become complementary players. That could have been big. And then if you could have put, you know, Quentin Nelson at guard, you'd now have you would now have Zach Martin at tackle and Chris Watt and Quentin Nelson at guard. That might have made a difference. Would it have been enough for a, a win? No, I don't think so. I think Will Fuller could have had a bigger impact over there. Um, and then defensively, I mean, the first thing is I would hope that the whole situation that happened that distracted the team doesn't happen. That helps. But if I could say, you know, who else would I, uh, a player that I would have wanted from other eras, that's a, my, my two, my two most likely choices are Harrison Smith or Justin Tuck from 2000 on. Harrison Smith or Justin Tucker are the two that I would probably say I would I would would think most about for the, that game. Would it have been enough to give him a W? No, I don't think so. But it, it would have been it would have, it would have been impactful. And then how does that impact the other people around him? That type of thing. Because if you have Will Fuller, then you can use Tyler Eifert in different ways, which maybe makes him more impactful. All right. I got another from Andrew Gilmore. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew asks, Sneed is on the clock. I really hope he succeeds. Could he play a strong safety role if he dropped a few pounds? I feel bad that he can't get on the field more. Uh, not at all. No, I look, the whole reason he has not been as good as a player so far as his athletic ability is because because of the instincts and the tech, lack of technical advancement and assignment correctness. You need a much, you need just as strong of a, a, a feel for the game and instincts at safety as you do linebacker, if not more so with the position he would play. And and so at the very least, it's a wash. That's not changing if he's a safety. He's a linebacker. Rover will either one. He needs to get better at playing that position, and he can't afford to drop that many pounds. He's not that big now. 
So he, he's a linebacker. And if he's going to play it in their name, it's going to be in some linebacker role. He just has to get more. He just got to get better doing the little things. He's got to get better at being focused off the field. He's got to get, he's got to change his attitude to be more bought in to what they're doing. He's got to put in the work to, to know his assignments. He's got to put in the work to be more techly advanced. Jalen's got all the tools. He's just a young kid. He's a freshman and sophomore. Now, to your point, though, now you're on the clock. You're a junior now. There's greater expectations for you now. I don't believe Jalen was an early enrollee. I don't think. So this is only going to be his second spring. So he's entering that period where there's a chance he could take a big jump. And if he takes that big jump, that's huge for the Notre Dame defense. And if he doesn't, then he runs the risk of getting passed up. But yeah, this is going to be a big offseason for Jalen Snead in a lot of different ways. You are correct about that. And then there's another question. Uh, Iden Banami, honest question, not being rude. Has Snead underperformed from our expectations? Were our expectations fair? Uh, yes and yes. I think the expectations were fair. Jalen's an elite athlete who was a highly ranked player, deserved that ranking. You, know, Some of the reasons that he has not played yet are due to his high school coaching. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that from you know Coach Payne and that staff. They had to move him all over because that's what was best for their team. And B.J. Payne's primary job when he was at Hilton Head was to win and develop players at Hilton Head, not to you know do what's best for Jalen's need to play at Notre Dame. So you had to play him at quarterback, running back, defensive end, linebacker, safety, all those type of things, and that just prevented him from really getting locked in at one position. So you know that that that'll help him now that he's going to go into year three at the same position, and. You know, but but no, I, I mean, Jalen C should have been better than what he was this year. I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with what Jalen did as a freshman, but he should have been better this year. I think a lot of that's on him. He's he's got to take that responsibility. He's got to be more mature as a football player. He's got to put in the extra work to to get that defense down and 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 know what he's doing. And when he gets those opportunities, make those plays. I mean, there's a play earlier in the year. I think it was against Central Michigan. Maybe it was against Tennessee State. It was it was one of the early games where he comes to on a blitz and he is wide open. I mean, just expl- I mean, you're just like, that's the five-star James. He's just through the hole and then just gets shook in the backfield. Why? Because he came in out of control. He didn't come to balance. He didn't, you know, he didn't, you know, do what he needed to do, just completely whiffed. He's got to be better than that. That's on him, right? I mean, he was wide open to make a big play. The talent is still there. I haven't given up on Jalen Steed at all. It's just, it's now up to him to do the work to better yourself and become a better player. That's going to be the key. Joshua Knapp with a question. He says, "Is what does Riley Leonard bring to the table for the future of the quarterback room? I, I don't know what, what you mean by uh, Joshua Nip. Excuse me. I don't know what you mean by the future of the quarterback room. I mean, I, I, I'll give my best shot. It just, he he's a veteran player that the younger guys can learn from. Leadership wise, how to go about your business, all that type of stuff. That, that, that's, that's about it for the future of the quarterback room because he's only going to be here for a year. Will Indy, I'm in a Joshua. If I'm if I'm not reading your question correctly, apologies. Just if you could elaborate in the chat, and then I'll I'll try to address it if I didn't address it in that in that answer. I'm just not quite sure how to address that one. Will Indy says, "How can any of the linebackers at Rover get to the level that Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa was?" I'd need to see more from them. I mean, look. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa didn't do anything at Notre Dame until he was a junior. That's why I say, like, you know, we're, we're talking about Jalen Sneed and he's got to get better. Jalen Sneed's done a lot more at Notre Dame through his first two years than Jeremiah Wusukoromoa did. He didn't play a snap as a freshman and got hurt, played some special teams against Michigan and, and maybe Ball State, and then got hurt and didn't play the rest of the year. So it's never too late, and, and Jeremiah is a perfect example of that. But, you know, so Jaden Jalen Sneed could become that. Jaden Osbury could become that, I believe, at Rover, potentially. Thing about Jeremiah, though, man, he was just so, so instinctive. But, yeah, I could see, I could see some other guys getting to that level. That, that's, that's a high bar, but I could see other guys getting to that level. Andrew Gilmore says, is, is Jalen Seed physically strong? He's super athletic, but I'm worried about his strength. Billy Shrouth had a highlight reel block on Snead last fall. I mean, Billy Shrouth outweighs Jalen Seed by 190 pounds, like 90 pounds. And he caught him from the side. That doesn't have anything to do with strength. That has to do with, uh, as far as a lack of strength for Jalen Snead, that's a 90-pound difference, and you caught him from the side. I mean, that that he would have laid out a lot of guys that way. 
I mean, who who was it that Quentin Nelson laid out? It was a bigger player than that, I believe. One of the linebacker from Georgia. Does Jalen need to get stronger? Heck yeah, he needs to get stronger. He was a sophomore who was a 205 pounds when he showed up at Notre Dame. So is he physically strong? I mean, he's getting there. I, I don't. He's not weak by any stretch of imagination, but he was a sophomore. Of course, he needs to get stronger. Drake Bowen needs to get stronger. Jaden Allsbury needs to get stronger. But I don't think that highlight, and I know which one you're talking about. I don't think it had to do with. I, it, look, if Jalen Sneed was the strongest player on the team on that particular play, he's still getting laid out by Billy Shrouth, in my opinion. Ant VR, do you think it's flawed to use NFL draft projection as a factor in recruits' rankings? I've argued with Bud Elliott and Singer about this recently. They think it should be part of the equation. I don't think it's flawed. I just think it's kind of silly. I mean, if you want to incorporate that into your rankings, fine. I just think it's silly. It's like if a guy goes to college and he's a, a, a really good college player and you had him as a top 50 player and he goes and he's a really, really good college player, but he's just not a great NFL draft prospect. Does that, does that mean he wasn't a top fifth, shouldn't have been a top 50 or top 100 player? I don't think it has anything to do with it. If you were a five-star recruit and you're a four-year starter, but you're just not, you know, the NFL draft doesn't view you as a top 35, 50 player. Does that mean that you should have been ranked as a five-star? I, I don't think it has anything to do with it. I think ranking should be based off of the kind of player you're going to be in college. That's my, my that's my belief. They can come up with other whatever system they want to come up with. I just think it's kind of foolish. And I and I think the other part of it too is is it it makes you miss on more kids because you're trying to project to the NFL. No, oh, you know our hit rate on five stars is higher than it is on. Okay, sure. Number one, there's fewer of them. And number two, most five stars are the obvious ones. Like, do you really need to be a, a, a seasoned evaluator of recruits and rankings and, and, and have a deep knowledge of the ranking system in order to, to look at, at Jeremiah Smith and say, that guy's really good? No, you don't. And so I just think that's a flawed way of looking at it personally. Uh, I don't know why they do it. I've never had that conversation. I don't really care to have that conversation. I just think that's a silly way of looking at it because it should be about what you do in college. And then let the NFL draft analysts rank guys for the NFL draft. You're talking about taking a 16 – like like you're telling me – so like right now, on three, I believe. Well, hold on a second. Let me, let me just look on this because we're talking about on three, but they're all that way, right? So on three right now has rankings for the 2025 class, correct? So uh, let me see if they have 26 class. So they have 26 player rankings right now, right? So they have um, they have a kid named Jakeem Stewart from Louisiana that on three is ranked as a four-star player. No ranking, but a four-star player. They're telling me that they're taking some kid's high school film, based on high school film, that they can project this guy to the NFL. That's nonsense. Now, does that mean that this kid may not end up being a – a, a top 10 NFL draft pick? Of course he can. But does that mean that they saw him as an NFL player and they just, as a sophomore high school, and they just knew? Okay, if a kid's that good as a sophomore, you don't have to be very good at your job to see that. You don't. So, you know, it's like, like CJ Carr is a perfect example. Let's say CJ Carr comes to Notre Dame and he's a great player for Notre Dame, just runs the offense, has a lot of production, does a great job. Notre Dame wins a national championship, but he's 6'2", he's 210 pounds, he has a strong arm, and the NFL draft doesn't view him as anything better than the fourth-round draft pick. Are we going to look back at CJ's cars three, you know, three years as a starter and national championship and all the production he had and say, ah, on three was right. See, he got drafted 150th overall. They were right. He wasn't a five-star. Or are we going to say they were wrong – because he was a great college player, he just didn't project to the NFL. Like, to me, that just, like, that shouldn't have anything to do with it. That's my opinion. And I don't I don't care a lick about NFL draft, like, pro projection for high school kids. I care about, can this guy go to college and dominate? Now, guys that can go to college and dominate tend to be guys that go to the NFL and get drafted high. That's the reality of it. You don't need to force that on there because then you fall in love with certain traits. 
that I think can can make you miss on certain things, in my opinion. Real Estate 2024, who is bringing up some questions from the Rumble channel, says, do we know ballpark figure numbers that Michigan was offering Chad? Do we know the number figure that Ray's, Ray's Chad received? I don't know either answer and don't know that I would necessarily give it if I did unless they told me they were allowed to. But my understanding talking to different folks, though, is that it was a sub- substantial offer from Michigan. Do I think Notre Dame had to match the exact dollar amount to keep Chad? No, I think more of the role and the 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 having more say and more oversight of the entire talent acquisition aspect of the of the roster was probably more important to Chad than the actual salary. But that doesn't mean the salary wasn't important. And I was explaining to somebody yesterday, I was like, like if you're making two million dollars a year and you're a coach and you like where you're at. And some school comes in and offers you two and a half million dollars. You're like, that's fine. Like, whatever. I'm I'm happy where I'm at. I'm making two million dollars a year. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars at a job, and some and I like my job, but somebody offers me half a million dollars to do that. I mean, dude, I'm that's life changing money. You know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't have to necessarily be a huge offer. I mean, so like when you're making less money and I don't know what Chad makes, but let's just say hypothetically, Chad is making $150,000 hypothetically. I don't have a clue if that's even close accurate. And Michigan comes in and offers 700,000. I don't care how much, how much loyalty you have in Notre Dame. That is a huge, huge jump. That is a huge change of your life circumstances for you and your family. And Chad's engaged and he's going to be getting married soon. He's going to be a husband soon. He has a family he's got to take care of now. You have to take that seriously, and and Notre Dame's got to step up. Now, do they need to get all the way up there? I don't know about that, but they gotta they gotta get pretty close, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I would I would say it was substantial. I don't know exactly what those numbers were. Tennessee seems like a tantruming child, ready to run and sport off the cliff, spout off, uh, run the sport off the cliff rather than face punishment. I agree with you completely. P.S. I believe they did violate enticement rules in big ways. Agree with both. But they also know that the NCAA is very scary. I was watching The Mummy yesterday. Uh, great movie. I've seen it probably 100 times. Love love The Mummy. Uh, the first two Mummy sh- movies. Uh, the third one was with Jet, Jet Li was not very good, or at least not as good in my opinion. But I was watching it. You remember the scene when uh, Imhotep is, is still kind of coming back and he's not fully – revived and like the cat the, like jumps on a piano and he gets scared and he like goes and turns and sand takes off like that's the ncaa anytime there's a lawsuit threatened against them that's what they know like they get scared of lawsuits it seems like the ncaa is maybe more willing to fight back on this one but that's why i think tennessee they're just trying to punk them like north carolina did and like other schools have done and with different things is punk them into not coming after us it seems like the ncaa is willing to fight this one for now we'll find out but I think that's what's happening, in my opinion, and, and probably in knowing. And if you're in, if you're Tennessee, even if you broke the rules, if you go look at all the rulings that all these judges are making right now, uh, and not even going to get into the the piss poor state of of the judiciary in our country right now, but they're siding with t- these teams and players almost every time, even when the to me the the arguments aren't strong for the, that side, they're still winning. And so if you're Tennessee, might as well, right? Might as well do it. But yes, I agree with what you said about Tennessee. Real Estate 2024 has another one. Final up as we or final one as we get close to this one. He says, My daughter plays flag football with her brother and loves it. Great sport below middle school. I, I agree. And and that's the other thing, too, is that at younger ages, you can you can have more uh, of that type of thing going on. And, and be, before like bodies really start to separate between boys and girls, you can have some of that. But you know, whether it's it's if, if a girl wants to play football, that's a great opportunity for her to, to play at a young age. If some she's someone who enjoys it. And if you're a young kid who has a chance to play that, I'd go for it. You know, I, I think the I wish they had flag football when I was a kid because I, I would have been allowed to play that. My parents would let me play that, but they didn't have flag football when I was a kid. So I can play. I just played. We just played street ball and pickup, you know, which is funny because like <laughs> it's more dangerous than playing pads on because we played tackle football in the, in the neighborhood, you know, with no pads. So I still played tackle football. I still played in an organized standpoint. Ha ha, dad. See, I still play football. 
Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, still didn't tackle as much as we would have in, in practice. I'm, I'm just I'm just joking. I know my dad watches, so I'm just giving him a hard time. Salty Virginia Pino says, should Notre Dame reorganize to unite NIL Portland recruiting, fund up, fund and staff it up, and would Chad Bowden lead it? Uh, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what I think is going on, Salty, is is just reading between the lines. I I, I do think uh, that you need to do that. And I think Chad will probably be the person in charge of that because it all goes together. I mean, it, it has it has to be sort of all under one umbrella. You have to have somebody at the top that knows everything that's going on and then they can kind of distribute down what needs to be done moving forward. And I would assume that that'll be part of what Chad's going to do. Joe Marciano says, what your thoughts on private enterprise buying athletic departments? I don't know what this refers to, Joe, but boy, I, that's just a, to me, a horrible, horrible precedent, in my opinion, just be a really bad precedent. It's one thing to fund it. Are you saying like buying it? Oh boy. Justin Knox is true or false. Kingston Villama also starts more than one game this coming season. I, it's possible more than one game. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say true just from the standpoint of injury targeting rules. There's all types of things that could happen that would allow that to come to fruition, even beyond just him starting. I mean, he could do that just by winning the starting job at some point in time. But when you consider, I think at the very least he'll be the number two Mike and there's a chance of injury or, you know, guy missing a half because of targeting. Like we saw J.D. Bertrand, you know, missed a game this year because of injury. And then the year before missed two games because of targeting this or the first half of two games. So somebody has to start in front of him. I could see that. I'll say I'll just say true. Just because of that alone, I'll say true. And uh, and then go from there. Let me see if there's any other questions that came in here. Um Yes, thank you, Salty. He says, using Emotep in the mummy to explain the action of the NCAA is kind of analysis. You only get it from IB. That is correct, because I love movies, and I love football. And and so, yeah, I appreciate that, man. So let's see here real quick. I think that is going to be it for the questions. Oh, here we go. Uh, he says, JB, JP explaining the, uh, the thing from earlier. When I see your IB articles every day in Wichita newspaper, everyone in the world sees the same article because IB influence, or do I only see the article because they know I am an IB member? I, I don't, JP, I'd have to talk with you about it, buddy. I, it, it could be because like, I know that there's syndication that, that, that fan nation and the arena group does with our articles that it will get like on MSN and different things like that, which then will get linked out to different newspapers. And so it could be that. And then you're, you know, they're going to know, if, you know, if you have cookies, they're going to see Notre Dame in searches for you. And then that might be it. It could be because we had an article about a Kansas player. And so perhaps the Wichita paper has, you know, certain keywords. Hey, we wrote an article about a kid from Kansas and that's what they see it. But if it's just general Notre Dame articles, it's probably because of the syndication stuff that we have that then goes to you that they basically kind of look at the way that they you know, look at all of our information and know that you're a Notre Dame fan and because of your search history and they're going to put it up that way. I would, I would have to know, uh, I'd have to know more about that, but that, that mo that's most likely it is that part right there. So, and I think that is going to be it. All right, everybody, lots and lots of great questions. As my man, Andre Tonsil says, please join the Irish breakdown boards. It's the best thing since sliced bread. I appreciate you. Andre, very, 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 very much. Hit that like button, folks. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Give us a five-star review. And as Andre said, folks, please join the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Great conversation. Intel, we have a lot of things planned here moving forward for content that will be message board only. I think you all will love it. I'm going to be back on Tuesday. Next time you'll see me, most likely will be on Tuesday. We may, we may have some things come up this weekend. I'm going to have some time, but... Ryan and Sean will be back tomorrow for a, a Notre Dame recruiting hour, and then they'll have another recruiting hour on Monday. So we'll move the mailbag to next Friday. Then I'll be back for a solo show on Tuesday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you so, so much for joining me today on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>